Well, let's take our Bibles tonight, turn to Romans chapter number 12. Romans chapter number 12, and for the benefit of those that are be watching this online, I'll just mention that I don't have a tie on. I realize I, I don't have my tie on. That's because I've had a neck injury and I'm trying not to aggravate it. It's been a good day today. Not had problems with it, so I uh, praise the Lord for that. But I uh, had th- kind of three rough days in a row with it, uh, so I am not wearing that tie this morning. Romans chapter number 12, and we're going to read verse 13, 14, and 15. I don't know how much of this that we will do. We'll see how it goes, okay? Uh, we're talking about uh, a believer's relationship with others. and talking about being helpful in others' needs right now. In fact, let's, let's back up and read what we have done uh, thus far. About the, uh, we started this section back up in verse number 9. Let love be without dissimulation. Okay, and talked about how we are to be sincere in our love. And it says, uh, Abhor that which is evil and cleave to that which is good. We talked about we are to be holy in our attitude and walk before the Lord and others. Then uh, it says, Be kindly affection one to another with brotherly love and honor preferring one another. So that just kind of speaks for itself. And we are to be kindly affection one to another. We, we ought to prefer one another's company as believers <laughs> it's, and, it, rather than with the w- company with the world. And we're to be humble in our desires uh, is also in that. Um, preferring, looking to, to lift somebody else up. That's what that preferring one another is talking about. We, we are, um, uh, respect the others before uh, looking to ourselves. And then there in verse number 11, not slothful in business. We talked about where to be diligent in our dealings. Amen. And, uh, and not be slothful in business. Uh, we are to be fervent in spirit and serving the Lord. Each of these things we took one at a time. And then uh, we said we are to be rejoicing in hope. Verse 12 there. We are to be patient in tribulation. And then we spent the, the whole week last week talking about continuing incident in prayer. And if you didn't get a chance to listen to that, if you weren't here to listen to it, I highly encourage you to go listen to that. It'd be a, I think it would be a blessing to your life, uh, helpful to your prayer life, and, it, and we all can use a dose of that, continuing instant in prayer. Tonight we're in verse number 13, and it says, We're distributing to the necessity of saints, given to hospitality, bless them which persecute you, bless and curse not, Rejoice with them that do rejoice, and weep with them that weep. So let's take it for one step at a time here. First of all, we're to, be, we're to be helpful in the needs of others. When it talks about distributing to the necessity of the saints, the idea of this phrase is that we are to enter into the burdens of other fellow believers. Uh, we all have burdens at time to time. Uh, sometimes they may be a, a physical burden. Sometimes it may be a spiritual burden. Sometimes it just may, may be something that's just weighing heavy on our heart. Uh, but we are to be helpful in the needs of others, that helpful in their burdens as the, the Lord gives us the ability to, to be helpful in that. That is, we're to help our fellow believers as their needs arise and as God has given us the ability to be a help to them. I'm going to say that again because that's important. Uh, 
We're to be a help to our fellow believers as their needs arise and as God has given us the ability to be a help to them. We're going to see several cases in point from the Scripture. I want to give you some, uh, some uh, examples here from the Scripture. Uh, there's a case of needs in the early church uh, that we're going to find. I'll have you go ahead and turn to Acts chapter number 4. We'll be there in just a minute. Acts chapter number 4. But uh, I want you to understand that, uh, the, about the practice of giving in the early churches. Now we're going to be talking about monetary giving here primarily uh, in this. Uh, but we're talking about more than just monetarily giving. You know, sometimes you need to give of yourself. And even if you're monetarily giving, you need to give of yourself first. That's the scriptural way to, to give. Amen. Uh, but the practice of giving in the early churches, uh, they gave tithes and offerings. There's no doubt that the churches continued the Old Testament practice of giving of the tithes and offerings. The only change being that of the storehouse. The storehouse was not the, the temple anymore, uh, but the treasury of each local church. We know that tithing is a scriptural principle and it transcends the period of law. Some people think, well, you know, tithing, that's, that's just law stuff. No, no, the t- uh, tithing was before the law came into, came into existence. Um, we could get back, and I, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this. I'm just going to give you the seven things about tithing, because I'm not really talking about tithing. We're talking about other giving special love offerings. At, but uh, uh, Abraham commenced tithing. Back in Genesis 14, verse 20. In fact, Hebrews 7, verses 1 through 5, talk about how that he, he gave a tithe unto Melchizedek. And then we know that Jacob continued it in Genesis 28, 22. Then Moses confirmed it in Leviticus 27, verse 30, when the law came in. And then uh, Malachi commanded it in Malachi 3, verses 8 through 10. Jesus commended it uh, when he was on the earth. In Matthew 23 and verse 23, Paul conformed it in 1 Corinthians 16, 2, and God commissioned it, uh, 1 Corinthians 9, verse 13 through 14. But I'm not talking about the tithe tonight, but tithing is scriptural under the, the New Testament church. Uh, New Testament teaches scriptural giving to be a grace. Second uh, Corinthians 8, verse 7 says, See that ye abound in this grace also. Talking about in our giving. But we're talking about special love offerings, and we see here in Acts chapter number 4, let's read the passage of Scripture, and then we'll, we'll talk about it, okay? Acts 4, verse number 32. It says here, And the multitude of them that believed, understand this is early on in the, in the, in the church, you know, we're just days into um, uh, the, the early church here, and the multitude of them that believed were of one heart and of one soul. Boy, that's a blessing, isn't it? Man, that's the way a church ought to be, of one heart and one soul. Neither said any of them that aught of the things which he possessed was his own, but they had all things common, and with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. Neither was there any among them that lacked, for as many as were possessors of lands or houses, sold them and brought the prices of those things that were sold, and laid them down at the apostles' feet, and distribution was made unto every man according as he had need. And Joseph, who by apostles was named Barnabas, which is being interpreted the son of consolation, a Levite, and 
of the country of Cyprus, having land, sold it and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. So we see here a special thing. The offerings in question here in this passage uh, of Scripture were a special love offerings, if you will, used in this case to alleviate the needs of new converts who were from other places. Remember that on the day of Pentecost when they had come, the Jews had come in from uh, all different places according to Acts chapter number 2, and they heard the gospel, got saved. Well, when you get saved, you need to to get grounded, don't you? You need to be discipled. And uh, so there was some discipling going on, and uh, people were sticking around the church there. And uh, we know that this is not teaching uh, uh, socialism or communism. If you come up away with thinking, well, this is talking about communism or socialism, you're wrong. Socialism and communism is forced. This was from the heart. Okay? This was from the heart. And... Uh, this giving was voluntary, and we know it was voluntary because if you read on there in Acts chapter number 5, okay, there, there's really no, no uh, division in the thought. Okay? Barnabas takes and sells his land, brings the money and lays it at the apostles' feet, but, in chapter 5 verse 1, but a certain man named Ananias with, his, with Sapphira, his wife, sold a possession and kept back part of the price, his wife also being privy to it, and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why hath Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost and to keep back part of the price of the land? Whilst it remained, was it not thine own? And after it was sold, was it not in thine own power? Why hast thou conceived this thing in thine heart? Thou hast not lied unto men, but unto God. So we see here the, the, uh, what we gather from reading the Scripture. Their sin was not that they didn't give the full amount from the sale of their land. The, the sin was that they gave the impression that they gave it. And they were lied. They, they lied is what they did. Later we see the need for some other special love offerings taken up for this church at Jerusalem by other churches. And the reason is because the church at Jerusalem experienced much poverty due to the scattering caused by persecution. Look at Acts chapter number 8, and you'll see this. Acts chapter number 8 and verse number 1. It says, And Saul was consenting unto his death, talking about Stephen, and at that time there was great persecution against the church which was at Jerusalem, and they were all scattered abroad, throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. So you got the apostles, and uh, you know, they're still working there in the Jerusalem area trying to hold the church together. Uh, uh, they're the majority of it, I think. But uh, whatever, they, um, the, the church that was left there struggled because of uh, this scattering. 1 Corinthians chapter number 16, verse number 3 Paul mentioned, he said, When I come, whomsoever you shall approve by your letters, them will I send to bring your liberality unto Jerusalem. Now I find this a uh, uh, little bit um, interesting. Uh, Paul's persecution of the church caused the initial scattering. Well, after he got saved, he was concerned about 
what he had caused. He was concerned about the the poverty of that Jerusalem church, and he went about to to try to help uh, the Jerusalem church that he had persecuted. Again, the givings of these special offerings was voluntary and was a manifestation of their love for God and his saints. And such giving first requires the giving of oneself to the Lord. Look at uh, 2 Corinthians chapter number 8. 2 Corinthians chapter number 8. Second Corinthians eight and verse number one, and we'll, let's take a look and see what Paul said here about uh, the giving of uh, the churches of Macedonia. Now, moreover, brethren, we do you to wit, in other words, we make you aware of is what that's talking about. We'll make you aware of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia, how that in a great trial of affliction. The abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberality. For to their power I bear record, yea, and beyond their power they were willing of themselves, praying us with much entreaty that we would use the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. And this they did, not as we uh, hoped, but first gave of their own selves to the Lord and unto us by the will of God. You can see and can feel the love there, can't you? I mean, there there was love that was coming out of that church of Macedonia, uh, wanting to be a blessing even though they were under great persecution, even though they they didn't have much. Have you ever had a time when you didn't have much, but the Lord laid it on your heart to give part of what you you had to, to help somebody else? Uh, that's what this kind of situation that they had there. So we also see that he mentions Jesus' example there in verse number 9. Look at verse number 9. It says, For ye know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be rich. So Jesus set the example. And uh, he, he continued to give even though uh, he left the riches of heaven. Uh, and uh, he became poor uh, that we might be rich by his grace. Um, so uh, look at uh, also 2 Corinthians 9. 2 Corinthians 9, look at verse number 8 here. Let's, let's back up to verse number 6. But I, this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Every man according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that ye always having all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work. It was basically God that gives the ability for us to be able to, to help others in their time of need. Now, next thing I want us to see is found in the book of Acts, chapter number 11. Look back at, the, at Acts, chapter number 11, and we see a case of scriptural church cooperation. Acts, chapter number 11, and this is when a, you know one church is helping another church. And we got the church at Antioch that's mentioned here in Acts 11. And they, if you remember, that's where they were uh, first called Christians. In fact, uh, this is that, this, the same 
the verse before where we're going to read at, uh, uh, this is where it mentions that very thing, that the disciples were called Christians first in Antioch. But look at verse number 27 through 30. It says, uh, And in these days came prophets from Jerusalem unto Antioch, and there stood one of them named Agabus, and signified by the Spirit that there would be great dearth, uh, that means uh, famine, throughout all the world, which came to pass in the days of Claudius Caesar. Then the disciples, every man, notice this, every man according to his ability, determined to send relief unto the brethren which dwelt in Judea, which also they did, and sent it to the elders by the hands of Barnabas and Saul. So you, you, have, uh, you have the church at Antioch sending to help the churches uh, in Judea. Be J- Jerusalem would be the central uh, part there of Judea. And uh, understand that it's, it's very certain that all churches in, in the New Testament were, we know that they were independent and aut- autonomous, but they weren't isolationists. You know, they could cooperate with one another. And the churches of like faith and practice may scripturally cooperate in, in several different areas. We, we see there, for mentions in verse 27 and 28, the prophecy of, of Agabus. And here we see a New Testament prophet and the gift of prophecy, and understand that the gift of prophecy as such ended with the completion of the New Testament, but it was still in force at this time. And we know that uh, 1 Corinthians 13 talks about the, the, that prophecies were going to fail, meaning they were going to uh, cease, be done away with. That's what the word fail means, cause to cease, to do away with, put an end to. And in 1 Corinthians 13, verse number 8 says, Charity never faileth, but whether they be prophecies, they shall fail. So, you know, this was still in the time when they didn't have the completed New Testament. So, the gift of prophecy was in force. And the gift of prophecy continues today only as the proclaiming of the Word of God and the power of the Holy Spirit, such as uh, your pastor does on uh, every time we get behind the pulpit. Okay, we, we, we're, we're deliver uh, in the power of the Holy Spirit, and uh, we thank God for uh, the power there that He gives. But we see the determination of this church. I mean, with the Agabus gave this uh, 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 prophecy, and so. The the folks of the church at Antioch believed the prophecy. Okay, they believed the prophecy, and the, the church at, at Antioch determined to help. We see their determination. They, this was a spontaneous and voluntary act. There was no outside influence. There was no request or suggestion. We don't see any coercion, do we? There's no coercion. Nobody forced them to do what they were did. But a special love offering was collected, and the criteria was based on their ability to give. Now, that's, I think that's important. You know, that's what God looks at. Every man according to his ability. Disciples, according, every man according to his ability, determined to send relief unto the brethren which were uh, in uh, Judea. And so we see the, the, this money was... Um, uh, a gift. It was not a loan. They weren't loaning the brethren over in Judea and said, well, you know, we're sending you some money, but we, we expect to see this money back. <laughs> no. They, they were releasing it. You know, this, is, this is for that need there. 
And there were no strings attached nor any obligations placed upon the church at Jerusalem by this church at Antioch. And that's the way it's supposed to be. You know, we're not to try to entangle another church. If we're going to help another church, we don't, we don't want to entangle them. That You've got to put strings on this. Uh, 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 they got to do uh, exactly what you want them to do. Um, because that's, that church is autonomous and this church is autonomous. So we see the sending of the gift. The gift went to the elders or pastors of the churches, therefore the benefit of those churches. Next, I want us to see in Philippians chapter number 4. Philippians chapter number 4. Okay, we looked at the early church and what was going on there and why that was happening. We looked, we've looked here at uh, um, the churches of Macedonia. We looked at uh, the church church at Antioch, but I want us to, to see a case of, from the church at Philippi, a case of Paul's needs being met. In Philippians 4, and verse number, uh, let's begin with verse number 10, because he talks about um, their care of him uh, in verse number 10. He, Paul says here, but I rejoice in the Lord greatly. In other words, this, this was a great blessing to the Apostle Paul. He says that now, at the last, your care of me hath flourished again. <laughs> and they had helped him before, uh, and they had, had uh, they were wanting to do it again. He says, well, look, look, at, uh, uh, look at verse 10 again, but I, I rejoice in the Lord greatly uh, that now, at the last, your care of me hath flourished again, wherein ye were also careful, but ye lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. In other words, the Apostle Paul didn't come to them begging them for money. But they could, they could tell the Apostle Paul had some needs. And so they wanted to be a help with the needs that he had. Um, and Look at verse 12. Paul says, I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. You know, Paul was going to continue on whether anybody determined to help him or whether they didn't. You know, he, he was just, he was called by, by the Lord. He believed the Lord would take care of his needs. And he just, uh, he did what the Lord told him to do. And, and God laid it on the hearts of the church at Philippi to help uh, the, the Apostle Paul several times. Look at verse 14. Notwithstanding, uh, ye have well done that ye did communicate with my affliction. Now ye Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. For in Thessalonica ye sent once and again unto my necessity. Not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account but I have all and abound, and I am full, having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you, an odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Now, we see that Paul didn't fail to recognize that there were probably many in this church that had a need. And yet, they were, they were uh, about sending uh, to help Paul with his needs. 
And he said, you know, God, God's going to help you with that. You know, you, you, you help in my need, God's going to supply all your needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. So Paul was a servant of God. He was a missionary. And the, the Lord used these Philippian believers to, to help this servant of God with his needs. So we're to be helpful in the needs of others. Uh, let's look back at our text. And we'll see the second thing here, and it's tied really is 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 closely related, uh, except rather than reaching out on the outside and, and seeing who's got the needs out there. That's and this this is what it's talking about in uh, verse number thirteen, uh, the latter part. He's talking about uh, inviting folks into your your uh, space <laughs> and and being hospitable. Not only distributing to the necessity of saints, but given to hospitality. So we're to be helpful in the needs of others, but we're to be given to hospitality. The word given means that that's something that we're to pursue. We're to pursue being hospitable. Uh, Hospitality is the act or practice of receiving and entertaining strangers or guests without reward or with, with kind and generous liberality. We just... We enjoy entertaining folks and, and being a blessing to them. Hebrews 13 verse 2 tells us, Be not forgetful to enter, entertain strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. And uh, Peter uh, mentioned in 1 Peter 4 9, he says, Use hospitality one to another without grudging. In other words, you know, well, the preacher said i got to be hospitable, so I guess I'll be hospitable. That's grudging, okay? <laughs> Don't you're, you're to be hospitable without grudging. You're 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 to, to be. We're to be open. We're instead of building walls between us and others, we're to reach out as true friends do. And the idea is that of being available to folks. I mean, and trying to trying to meet their needs, whether that need be over there or whether the need is I need to be bringing them in here and trying to meet a need here. So we're to be. Be helpful in the needs of others. We're to be given to hospitality. Back there in our text, there in verse number 14, he says, Bless them which persecute you. Bless and curse not. And so we're to be kind to and be a blessing to others. Now, I grew up in some churches. Uh, uh, I could say I've been in churches along the way. and Not, not just uh, growing up in them, but... Uh, uh, just uh, sometimes you, you come across folks who are not very kind in, in, in God's house. And they ought not to be that way. It, if anything, we ought to be kind one to another. In fact, we're, we're instructed to do so. Regardless of what another person throws at us personally, as we pass through this life, our reaction should always be that of forbearance. You know what forbearance means, right? Putting up with we're to put up with one another. Hard to do sometimes, isn't it? It is. Uh, you know, uh, it, it takes a lot of grace. But, but I want you to think about the grace that, that Christ has given to us. So look at Ephesians chapter number 4. Ephesians chapter number 4. Christ has given us the grace. And we need, we're to remember his, the grace that He's given us uh, so that we give grace to others, treat others with grace. Ephesians 4, you're familiar with these these passages here. Uh, Verse number 31 and 32. It 
says, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking. Boy, it's a shame that you've got to tell a church that they've got to put away all those things, right? Because we all just know. <laughs> we ought not have any, any of that. Said, they'd be put away from you with all malice. That word malice talking about badness, malignity, trouble. They, they're looking at, looking to, to, to even the score with somebody. You know, it, that's, that's no way to live, folks. Just, it's just not. He said, you know, put all that stuff behind you and be ye kind, here it is, one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Next time you're tempted to be bitter or be full of wrath or anger or clamor or speak evil about somebody, think about what Jesus did for you. Amen? So, the command here is to be pleasant and kind to others regardless of what they may do to us personally. Uh, Jesus said in Matthew 5.44, but He says, But I say unto you, love your enemies even. <laughs> Bless them that curse you. Do, do good unto them that hate you. Pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. And then uh, 1 Peter chapter number 2, verse 21. Let, let's, let's turn over there. We'll take time to turn to that one. 1 Peter 2. Didn't give you a handout tonight. Didn't think it was necessary. Um, we we're going to turn to most of these these anyway. Uh, examples that we're going to look at. Let's take a look at 1 Peter 2. And it talks about our Lord Jesus again. Uh, in his example, 1 Peter chapter 2, in verse number 21. Well, let's back up to verse number 19. For this is thankworthy, if a man for conscience toward God endure grief, suffering wrongfully. For what is it if when, we be, when you be buffeted for your faults, you shall take it patiently? But if when you do well and suffer for it, you take it patiently. This is acceptable with God. For even hereunto were you called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow in his steps. Who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth, who when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judges righteously. You've got to be like Jesus. Amen. And... Uh, that's what we're called to do. Well, let's go ahead and finish these two others up. Uh, I kind of wanted to get through verse 15. This won't take very long. Let's go back to our original passage there in Romans chapter 12. And let's take a look at uh, the next thing there in verse number 15. Verse 15 says, Rejoice with them that do rejoice. Rejoice with those who rejoice, and, and and you know a lot of times what happens somebody's rejoicing and and somebody gets jealous. Well, what, why does something good have to happen to them and not me? You know, <laughs> instead of being jealous and envious when another is blessed, we are to be excited for them and w- with uh, for them and with them because of the Lord's grace and goodness upon them. Amen. Praise God. God sure was good to you there, wasn't He? Amen. That's the way we're supposed to be. And then uh, then the last one there. Uh, we are to weep with those who weep. 
in, in the latter part of the verse. Instead of being indifferent, when a time of crisis arises in the life of a brother or sister in Christ, we are to endeavor to enter into their need and help them carry their load. Now, I call your attention to the example of Jesus. Okay? The, the, the shortest verse of the Bible, you know where I'm going, right? John 11. What happened there? Lazarus uh, was dead. Did Jesus know He was going to raise Lazarus from the dead? Certainly. He knew. So why did Jesus wet? Because He saw the grief of others. <laughs> he, he, he was carrying part of their grief and sorrow. I mean, He knew there was no need for them to be doing that. But rather than rebuke them for that, He wept. We, we should have a compassion for our fellow believer that causes us to hurt when he or she hurts, and to rejoice when he or she rejoices. Amen? Let's do that. Amen? Now, uh, you'll notice that these things that we've shared with you tonight, again, are merely ways in which members of Christ's body, the church, can demonstrate Christ-like love one for another. And it's a way to show the world the reality of our claims, that we are who we say we are. You know, when, when we, when somebody can do us wrong, and we can not get all bent out of shape and act like the world, it makes, a, makes an impact upon uh, the world themselves. It's a way for us to glorify Jesus in the church and before the world. John thirteen thirty five. By, by this shall all men know that you're my disciples, if you have love one to another. And that's what we're talking about here. This is just an expanded definition of love that, that uh, Paul is, is kind of detailing here. Uh, that we are to be involved in being helpful in others' needs. We're showing love, aren't we? Um, in fact, let me just share this, this last uh, passage. Look at Romans 13. You're there in Romans 12. Look at Romans 13 and verse number 8. Verse number 8. He says, Owe no man anything but to love one another. For he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. For this thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not steal, uh, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, thou shalt not covet. And if there be any other commandment, if the, it is briefly comprehended in this saying, namely, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Yeah. Love worketh no ill to his neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. Treat other folks the way you want to be treated. Treat, uh, treat other folks, in fact, let's go beyond that. Let's treat other folks the way that Jesus would treat them. Amen. Jesus and you to be treating others. Amen. I hope, hope it's been a help with you tonight. And we'll try to take a look at the rest of these uh, verses, Lord willing, next week. But uh, there's something for us to chew on tonight. Amen. And, uh, and, and put into our practice. Uh, I know we're, we're pretty good about that here. And uh, I trust that you'll use this for the, for the Lord to just strengthen you in this area of your life. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you tonight for the encouragement of your word in this area. And Lord, we just ask that you'd help us. Uh, we still live in this old sinful flesh. And when somebody comes against us the wrong way, the first thing wants to do, this old flesh wants to rile up and get, get out of sorts. And Lord, the first thing we need to do is think about you. What would Jesus do in this situation? 
What would Jesus have me do in this situation? Before we ever act and react, Lord, help us to, uh, to act in a way that is glorifying to you. And Lord, that shows the world, uh, especially with our reaction to one another as brothers and sisters in Christ, uh, uh, show the world that we belong to you. And Lord, may you be honored and glorified uh, in our lives. Pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.